You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. You know, it's, it's Women's History Month, and as of, you know, just as we talked about Black History Month, you know, women's struggles are still very prevalent today. And I think that we are in the middle of an incredible uh, historic uh, moment in our country and that perhaps we will have our first uh, women's presidents uh, in our nation's history, which is pretty monumental. Just as we talked about Black History Month last month and how do we solve some of these issues through the church, through the words of Jesus Christ, we too can look at some of these women's issues that are prevalent today and solve them through our faith in God. Amen? But we do that in the context of this whole year, which we focus in, uh, which we focus on is Jesus 2016. You know, starting in uh, March 27th, which is Easter, we want to kick off a theme as well on just inviting our friends uh, to our worship service and to talk about some of these things uh, as we focus on Jesus. So we figure that's a really great uh, week to rev up. We have two weeks to go. Invite all of our friends and family to, to come up uh, to worship with us on March 27th. But today, we're going to kick off a mini-series and talk about uh, Women's Month. Amen? Kenny, take your notes out. All right? Women's Month. And we do that because we understand also that in the world, women have to fight uh, for some of their rights, and women have to fight and to really t- to gain equality in this world. I, uh, I always laugh at this one. Uh, it's a very famous Jewish prayer. And I have some Jewish friends, and they, every time I talk to them, I, I kind of razz them about this a little bit. And this is one of 11 uh, things that they pray for, not all Jews, but some, some Jews, and they pray for, and they uh, said this, they said, and, and you've got to read it in context. But if you read it out of context, it's a little bit offensive. It says, Blessed are you, O God, that you did not make me a slave. And the second part of that is that, Blessed are you, O God, that you did not make me a woman. I kid you not. This is what some folks pray every single morning. And you can look at that in different ways, amen? And I look at that in this way, that I kind of agree with this prayer in this sense. That I am glad I'm not a woman because I look at my wife and I look at the birth and of my three children. And I look at some of the things that she has to go through and I am glad that I'm not a man. I am. I'm not a woman. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Sorry. God, I am sorry. God does that to you. You got to really be careful. God does that to you. I say that because. All right. All right. You got me. You got me. You got me? I say that because uh, I really have grown in the last 25 years of marriage, 20 years of just watching my kids grow up. I've really grown such in a deeper appreciation for womankind and the things that you go through. And I, I'm really glad that in the next two weeks we'll get a chance to celebrate a little bit and look through scriptures. Amen? If it was up to me to have kids... Elizabeth would be the only child, if we even go that far. You know, the Annenberg uh, School of uh, Journalism came up with this study uh, this past two months 
And I know that with the Oscars, you know, we talked a lot about representations and stuff like that, but there's a huge part of the demographics in America that is left out. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, they came up with some key points of their finding. This was a year, uh, it's like a, a few years long study on about 700 films that have been done in America, popular films. And this is part of their findings. These, is, these are two of the key findings. It's examining patterns of sexualization by the age of 2000, uh, by age in 2014 revealed that female teens, 13 to 20 year olds, were just as likely to be sexualized as adults, young adult females, 21 to 39 year olds, middle-aged females, 40 to 64 year olds, were less likely than these two groups to be sexualized. He's talking about films in uh, the U.S. that were made, 700 of them. In 2014, females of all ages were more likely than males to be shown in sexy attire, 27.9% of females versus 8% of males with some nudity, 26.4% of females and 9.1% of males. So this is the world that we live in today. Inequality is not relegated only to racial issue, but gender issues as well. And as we are the church, as we've been talking about in the last few months, about what can we do about this? That what is our role? That what does God has called us to be today? Is to look at the world, not through the world's eyes, not through the commercialization of people, human beings, but through God's eyes. And we get our worth of how people, who people are, through God. And I know that last year, as we, we ended out last year, we talked about spiritual formation. And this is part of that spiritual formation as well. How do we look at the world? Not through the eyes of the lens of the world, but through the world and the eyes and the lens of God himself. And that's what Jesus talks about. All of his, his ministry was forget about what the world does because that's, that's just the world. But how do we interface with the world and how do we change the world through our love for one another and our love for the world? You know, today uh, it is a mini-series and we want to talk about this. We talk about Jesus and how he dealt with things. If you look at the New Testament, it's pretty mind-blowing that Jesus really didn't deal with a lot of the political things that he saw. And the fact is, he just dealt with things as he saw fit, and he dealt with things from his own perspective. And not what the world did, and how the world hemmed him in. You know, uh, uh, James Hurley, uh, world-renowned New Testament uh, theologian, said this in his book, He says, the most striking thing about the role of women in the life and teaching of Jesus is the simple fact that they are there. That Jesus actually acknowledged and dealt with and talked to, worked with women. Their uniform testimony to the presence of women among the followers of Jesus and to his serious teaching of them constitutes a breakwood tradition which has been described as being without precedent in then contemporary Judaism. He's saying that, hey, look, the fact that Jesus mentions them, talked about them, dealt with them, conversed with them, was a huge break from tradition of his day. And that's how Jesus was. 
And that's what he calls us to be. The true revolutionary of our day. To break barriers. And to cross over boundaries that people relegate themselves to. And uh, in the next uh, two weeks in our mini-series, we have two parts. Part one is today. It says, uh, the title of our lesson today is The Woman Jesus Inspired in John 4. And next week, we're going to conclude our mini-series and we're going to study out the woman who inspired Jesus himself. Today, the woman Jesus inspired. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 4. I'm going to read this together. We're going to read this uh, through, and then we're going to pick up little pieces uh, as we make our points. In John chapter 4, we're going to start off in verse 4. It says, Now he had gone through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his son and his livestock? Jesus answered in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks this water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you said you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands. And the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is just uh, is uh, quite true. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming when, and has come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman says, I know that the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus departed and declared, I The one who's speaking to you, I am he. What a powerful story. There are so many levels that we can break down and how Jesus interfaced with this woman that he met. But we're going to look at three points today 
and see how Jesus really got into this woman's heart and inspired her. And we have three points. Point number one is that life is tough. You know, we read through the story and we see how tough the life is for this woman. Number two, that Jesus not only saw how her life was tough and just kind of felt sorry for her, but he engaged her in tough talks. And point number two, and then she became the talk of the town. Point number one, life is tough. You know, life is tough, isn't it? And I really appreciate how God does things. He didn't give us just a book. He didn't give us a few great points and expects us to follow it. But he sends his one and only son in verse in chapter 3 to come down and to live and to die for us. And he shows us how we should interact with one another. That our talks with one another makes a difference. It's not a matter of just going out and giving out an invite or sending out some flyers or posting something on the internet. But these are the one-on-one conversations, the interactions that shows people who Jesus really is. But the first thing we need to acknowledge is that life is tough. I really appreciate Matt's testimony today. Gosh, I was sitting in the back and I go, I need to change some of these things. Life is tougher for some other people than for myself. Man, and just to see and just to hear what Matt has gone through and the way that he is fighting those, the patterns of his life to give his children a better life, a better pattern. And I was sitting in the back and I was thinking, praise be to God who comes in and knocks us off our trajectory. You know, they say that people, children of parents who are drunks and parents who have alcoholic or addiction issues, they tend to have the same issues. Even though they hate it with all their soul and they've suffered from it with all of their might. Because that's what they see. That's the pattern that they result to. That's the pattern that they, that's the default that people go through. I see in my own life that my father was drunk. My father was abusive. I see so much of my own tendency to go down that road and, and maybe not to lash out physically, but the emotional damage that, that I've caused, even with Lena and, and my girls, and as they grew up and going back and having to apologize to them and teaching them that, you know, that was dad's fault. I remember just when the girls were growing up, teaching them to say, you know, like, that was dad's fault, and I want to teach them to differentiate between what their sin is and their fault is, but that was totally mine. And somehow, some way to even give them a hope for a new trajectory. Life's tough. You know, we look at our own lives and just the jobs that we have. And sometimes we wonder, you know, today's Sunday, tomorrow's Monday. We go back and on the first day, you know, it's tough, right? You go, oh my gosh, this this is what my life is all about? 60-hour weeks, 50-hour weeks, and what am I doing? You know, Lena and I had the privilege of spending about 14 years on the mission field. And what a great honor that was. I was born in Vietnam in 1966. The country fell. My dad worked for the State Department. And right before the fall of Saigon, 75, we emigrated to America, San Francisco to be particular. And we lived there, and I became a Christian when I was 21 off the college campus. And after 
becoming a Christian and getting strong and, and just the foundational things. Lena and I got married when I was 25. And at 25, having a chance to go back to Asia and particularly in Vietnam and to plant a church there. What a great honor that was to flee from that country two decades before to go back and to plant the Church of Christ. That was the greatest honor I've ever had. And then for Lena's sake, you know, what turned out to be, you know, what supposedly was a few years on the mission field became 14 years. Giving birth to Elizabeth and Nicole in, uh, on the, more, uh, on the uh, mission field. Little Gabby was born here, Torrance Memorial. And then coming back, you know, Elizabeth had traveled quite a bit as well, just like Matt moving around. Elizabeth, by the time she was 12, she had moved five countries ten times. And we zigzagged all over Asia to serve the churches. It was a dream come true for me. But by that time, our marriage had gotten a little bit disconnected because I was just all over the map, literally. Every other week I was on a plane somewhere. And coming back to America, Lena and I felt like, you know, our marriage needs some help. And we stepped out of the ministry, something I really love to do. And I remember the job that I took, going from saving the world to making floor mats. Millions and millions of floor mats for the cars. And one of my best friends has a pretty big company, actually. He makes millions and millions of floor mats. He was so excited. He invited me to the warehouse. And he showed me his empire. Millions and millions of floor mats. <laughs> tears came down his eyes. He was so proud. He showed it to me and tears came down my eyes. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in here. I'm going to make floor mats for the rest of my life. I was, you know, I was starting off in sales. I became the COO. You know, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But at that initial stage, it was hard, man. It was hard. I was coming out with slogans for a company like, go ahead, step on us. <laughs> go ahead, step on us. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is for the rest of my life. And I kid you not, I had to go to the hospital because I was like, I, I can't do this. I went to the hospital and the doctor says, Ken, there is absolutely nothing wrong with you, man. Physically, it's all in your mind. It's tough. We find ourselves in that situation, right? We started off in college and we have these grand dreams of what we want to do and life knocks us down. And that's exactly what happened to this woman. The Bible said, right? I mean, Jesus went through this town in Samaria and, and, you know, he was tired from the journey, you know, noontime. And he sat down and he thought he was going to be by himself and here comes this woman by herself. And that was her job, day in and day out perhaps, to come and get water. She had no friends. I know this about women. They don't go anywhere by themselves. I know that. I know guys, we go, we want to go by ourselves, especially the bathroom. Don't, don't come. But women, my wife, you know, she goes to the bathroom. Somebody, you know, say, hey, you want to come? You know, her friends. I don't know what they do in there. I think they have couches. I don't know, TVs or whatever. But in the guy's bathroom is Barry Sanchez. That's all you got. Okay. But this woman, all by herself, 
noontime. And Jesus started a conversation. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus says, Will you give me a drink? And that blows me away that the creator of the universe asked for a glass of water from this woman that no one cares about. You know, Mahatma Gandhi is one of my heroes. And uh, they asked him one time, he said, how do you govern all these people, all these languages, all these religions? And he says, you know what I do? I think about the least of all my compatriots in the furthest corner of India that no one cares about. And I think about what I can do for him. I can do what, uh, what I can do for her. And that is so much like the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think that he didn't know that she was going to come. I think he knew exactly that this woman was going to come. And he changed her life. He gives us hope, amen? That whether we're making mats, you know, whether we're cleaning up the bathroom, or whatever, we have a greater purpose. We have a greater reason for being here on earth. And it drives us. And it propels us and it motivates us. And I love that scripture in the psalm. It says that, you know, we go through the desert and we make it a place of springs. That's who we are. Whether it's in our jobs or our schools, we make it a place of springs, just like Jesus. Life's tough. I've been around this earth for 49 years. That's my conclusion. Life's tough. His is flat, tough. The Bible actually says this, the more knowledge the more sorrow. The fact is, if you know more information about where the world's going and all the suffering of the people in the world and what people really feel and how they struggle, not only on the outside, but what they struggle between the ears and, and the depression and the, and the disappointment, life is tough. And we have a choice to go, well, life's tough for me too. As Jesus was, thirsty, he engaged this woman And he broke through the barriers. He broke through the gender barrier. He broke through the racial barrier. He broke through the nationalistic barrier. Because they were kind of enemies. These Samaritans and the Jews, they were enemies. And Jesus says, I really don't care about all that stuff. Point number two. He engaged her in tough talks. He engaged her in tough conversations. You know, it's so easy for us to hand out an invitation, isn't it? It's so hard to get into good talks. It's so hard. It takes a lot of work to get into good talks. You see, when you open up for a good talk, you know what you need to do? You know what happens? Is that you're investing in that relationship at that moment. You're taking a risk for... Wow, maybe this is not going to turn out good at all. And maybe I'm going to make actually this friend, this co-worker that I've had pretty good relationship for for the last 10 years. I might be risking something here. But the more and more I look at scriptures, the more and more I realize that's what it's going to take. These conversation starters. It might be as simple as, can I get a drink of water from you? 
and it proceeds from there. The Bible says in John chapter 4 and verse 9, it says the Samaritan woman knew the score. She knew exactly what was going on. She knew exactly what she should do, who she should talk to, and who she should not talk to. And she said to Jesus, look, I'm a Jew. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. This shouldn't happen. Don't you know the rules? You see, so much of being a Christian is knowing the rules and breaking those rules. Breaking those rules. That's what I love about being a Christian, to be honest with you. We don't want to just go through life and just kind of be sheepish and go along. We want to be like Jesus. We want to look at the rules and the conventions of the time and go, I'm going to break this because I care about this person. And I'm going to initiate this conversation. That's why it was so important for us to talk about Black History Month last month. Not just to give a little token, you know, things to tokenism to some of the things that are going on, and, but to go deeper, to go, hey, look, what are the differences that we need to cover? There are a lot. In verse 10, it says, Jesus answered her, you know, if you knew the gift of God, you knew what I'm offering you, you, you you're going you're gonna to like it. And then she goes off and she engages Jesus back and says, hey, look, you know, the well's pretty deep. You don't have anything to draw with. And she engages him on her perspective and her, her understanding what truth was. And in this age and time today, it's so easy for us to kind of go, that's it. That's her belief. This is mine. And this is where the conversation stops. But yet this is another crossroad that Jesus crosses. She, he could have said, I'm kind of tired. This woman obviously has her own conviction about things. And she's pretty staunch. And he takes the next step. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks this water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a living spring, a spring of water welling up into eternal life. He's really trying to engage her at that level. Have you ever done that before? Where you're just trying to break through, you're trying to find words to say, and you're trying to, you know, just, just trying to connect, but it's not happening. And this is where the crucial juncture of the conversation is. For me, it's so easy in my mind and in my heart to go, that's it. I've done my best. I've done my best. Let me just be on my way. And this is where I love about Jesus. This is what I love about Jesus. Look what he says. The woman said to him, says, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and keep coming in order to draw water. Give me this new technology. Give me, give, give me this so, you know, I, I can be a little bit more comfortable in my life. And Jesus says, the real issue is, go call your husband and come back. I don't know about you. I know about myself that my 
natural inclination is to be comfortable. This is way too many barriers to break through. There are too many things that I just don't want to cross. There are just so many things that I don't want to risk. My neighbors. I want to have good neighbors. I don't want to risk this. My coworkers at work. I got to work with this guy. I, you know, I can't. I don't want to risk this. But you know, Jesus risked it all. He says, here it is. This is the real issue. Forget about the technology. Forget about the wealth, new wealth thing, whatever. Forget about all that. Go call your husband and come back. And this woman at this time, if you read the rest of the story, she was startled. Shocked, threw out a couple more other things. And Jesus stayed focused. Brothers and sisters, I tell you this. In order for us to be effective, in order for us to be like that scripture, through the church, solving some of these issues that the world has no clue, no idea how to solve, we got to cross these barriers. We got to be able to be as bold as Christ and to love this woman as much as Jesus did and ask the tough questions. Is what do you really believe? Are we willing to do that today? Is that what we want to be known for as a church? A church that loves people enough to break through these barriers. I want to challenge us in this next week here to consider our conversations and look at our character. Grab someone in, in our fellowship and say, hey, what do you think about me when you see me? Do you see me like Jesus? Do you, do you see me, you know, willing to confront, willing to talk, willing to ask the tough questions? I want us to ask the tough questions about ourselves. Are we willing to do that? That's how we're going to be like Christ. Not just to look at Scripture and go, wow, that's Jesus. This is me. But how do I become like Jesus himself? That is the call for us today. My last point. She became the talk of the town. Here's this woman that no one cared about. Here's this woman that, you know, had five husbands. And remember we said life is tough. You know, before we make judgments on, about her, we probably need to go a little deeper. Our first judgments is that, man, she's kind of loose. Five husbands. And the guy that she has now is not even her husband that she's living with. And before we go down that road of just making that judgment, maybe we should think a little bit more about the ancient cultures of the day and how tough it was, it was really was for women. That if you were a woman, that maybe she was barren. That maybe the first husband that she had married her, loved her, found out she couldn't have kids, says, you know what, I want kids. Maybe the second husband says, well, maybe, you know, that guy was not capable, it was his fault, you know, and maybe I'm, you know, maybe we could do this. Didn't have kids, maybe, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But the point is, before we make judgments on people, let's really think about things. Let's dig deeper, Amen. By the time that the fifth guy comes, the sixth guy says, you know what, forget about getting married. Why don't we just try this for a little while? And for a woman in that time to be barren was really a horrible, horrible thing. And she kept on trying. Maybe that's what her predicament was. Maybe she wasn't loose. Maybe she was just trying to make it in this world. 
And maybe Jesus came because of that. She became the talk of the town. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking. They had gone to buy food. But no one asked physically, but they did in their hearts. What do you want? You know, they, they were questioning Jesus. What, do you, what are you doing, Jesus? I mean, what do you want? You want something? Why are you talking to her? They didn't say it physically, but that was in her heart. The woman probably picked that up and left at that time. These guys were maybe judging her, making judgments on her, and she goes, I'm out of here. She went back to her town. What did she do when she went back? She didn't go back to sulk. She didn't go back to be angry at Jesus for confronting her. She came back, and the Bible says this in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, he urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. She became the talk of the town. Here's a woman that was utterly powerless, utterly useless in many ways and forms, who became the talk of the town, changed her entire city. She was the key person that Jesus needed to interface between himself and the town. She was the main person from obscurity, became the main person that Jesus used to change an entire city. As we close on out, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now that we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. After listening to Jesus, they came back to her and gave her some credit for what she did. You know, I love the Bible. I love how revolutionary it is. Not from the outside, but from the inside. I love how the Bible challenges us to be better, greater, stronger, more effective than what we can be in and of ourselves. And I hope that today, as we think about these scriptures, that we apply it to ourselves and not look at just this woman and go, well, what a neat story, that we are that woman. Amen? That we take that on and say, I don't care how discouraging, how terrible, how bad, how long, how hot it is. I'm going to go for it. Amen? All right. Let's stand on up as we close out with song and have a great week. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.